uh, I'm not going to lie in the summertime in, in, uh, even at the beginning of the year, I honestly, I thought I was going to be, be a Canuck and, um, you know, I thought I was going to be a, a Canuck for life, um, to be honest with you. And, you know, it just things didn't work out that way. And, um, you know, um, you know, it led me to this. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that, uh, you know, the New York Islanders really believe in me and, and, uh, I'm proud to be a New York, New York Islander now. Um, honestly, I, uh, you know, I can't wait. So there it is. The Bo Horvat saga is over. Move to the New York Islanders in exchange for Anthony Bavillier, Atu Ratu, and a conditional first-round draft pick that is top 12 protected. Otherwise, it punts into next season without any type of protection. Also, Vancouver retains 25% of Horvat's salary, according to Lou Lamarillo. So now the Vancouver Canucks have lost one of the best professionals uh, the team has had in this or any other generation. Um, And was really, you know, this trade was really destined to happen going back to when they prioritize other players over the team's captain. Now, the handling of Horvat along the way by this new Vancouver Canucks regime has been bizarre, to be kind, interesting, (laughs) in order to give the Rutherford regime a a soft landing here. Look, they spent big money on other players, namely JT Miller and Ilya Mikheyev. And then when it was time to settle up and pay their captain, who probably would have been on Canada's Olympic hockey team last winter and was having a career season, it seemed as if the money just wasn't there in the till things kind of went backwards. Like the way that it works with teams is there are players that get paid in certain orders. And for the Vancouver Canucks, this one was very much out of order. And now you look at what's happened to the Vancouver Canucks and it's been a very tumultuous and emotional year. Like what do you think about everything that's happened so far? And it's not even February. First of all, the Bruce Boudreaux saga that we all just went through as well which was an emotional roller coaster. There was sadness, there was pity, there was anger, and there was laughter, mainly because Bruce Boudreau made sure there was laughter. The passing of Gino Ojic brought a lot of tears and a lot of reflection to a lot of Vancouver Canucks fans and hockey observers from all corners, not just where Gino played hockey. Um, there was the slow-moving hiring of Rick Tockett's um, you know, there's the uh, <laughs> the various injury sagas that the Vancouver Canucks have, uh, have have gone through, most notably and recently, and the story continues with Tanner Pearson. There was a Rachel Dory situation in the offseason, and then there's been this slow-moving Bo Horvat situation where we all knew where this thing was headed. We just didn't know where it was going to end up. Boston, consideration. Seattle, consideration. Wonder about teams like Carolina, the New York Rangers as well. The Islanders end up with Bo Horvat. And you look at it from the Vancouver point of view, and how many times have we said this? This is a self-inflicted wound. Like, you heard Bo Horvat in the clip that I just played. This is from last night. Horvat saying in the summer he thought he was going to be a Vancouver Canuck for his entire career. Thorough pro, excellent player, having a career season with everything burning and melting around Bo Horvat 
for him to pull off that season that he had with Vancouver is remarkable. And to shepherd and captain a team through that season when everything around him is in chaos is remarkable and a true testament to the athlete and the person that Bo Horvat is. You know, Vancouver Canucks wished Bruce Boudreaux all the best in whatever was next in his career. They're still chanting, and I would imagine they will still chant for a number of years, Bruce, there it is, even though Bruce isn't in the building. And I think that Vancouver Canucks fans, when Bo Horvat does return one day to Vancouver, not wearing a Canucks jersey, obviously, I think the video tribute will and should be special, and I think Vancouver Canucks fans will do what Vancouver Canucks fans do and show an outpouring of love and thanks for everything that Bo Horvat gave to that organization. I mentioned this was a self-inflicted wound. And just as an aside as well, when you look at the return, Ratu, Bavillier, uh, a first-round draft pick, it kind of sounds, doesn't it, like what the Arizona Coyotes have been asking for for Jacob Chikorin. We'll get to that in a couple of moments. Now, some of the questions that happen here now, does this loosen up the trade market? Now that Horvat is off the board, we turn our attention to players like Timo Meyer, who's one of the big fishes out there. How do other teams react? We know that Boston is still on the hunt. Tampa is always on the hunt. The Dallas Stars are on the hunt. The Carolina Hurricanes are on the hunt. The Edmonton Oilers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Colorado Avalanche, all on the hunt. We could go on and on and on. Uh, for the Islanders trying to salvage what has been a disappointing season, they could have gone one of two ways on this one, either double down or punt. They chose the former. And up the middle, the Islanders are very much stronger now, even though you can make the argument that perhaps they were more in need of wingers than centers, but now up the gut. And if you believe you win games, series, championships, up the middle, Matthew Barzell and Bo Horvat up the gut is really necessary for this team if they have any chance of getting themselves back in the playoff picture. And that is still a very big question mark. Elliot Friedman, Greg Wyshynski, Thomas Drance as well. Lots on the Horvat fallout. Let's get the show started. It's the Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, lots to get to today. Uh, one game last night, uh, the Winnipeg Jets take care of the St. Louis Blues. Um, Shifley front and center. Josh Morrissey front and center. A nice comeback win by the uh, Winnipeg Jets last night. Only three games on the go around the NHL. The Kings and Canes. Actually, Carolina has to play two games before the, their all-star break. The Senators and Habs, the Capitals and the Blue Jackets. Uh, but the headline today, which started last night and bleeds into this afternoon, is the Bo Horvat trade. And with that, we'll bring in Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. Are you showered? A scrub? and clean as we speak to you? Uh, no, I have not showered yet today. That will be later after my workout. I've got a blog to do. I don't have time to shower. 
Okay, I know you're filthy when you do your blog. I know it keeps you up to all hours. I thought you were starting a new precedent, though. You got me all excited about yesterday's show, just jumping out of the shower with your uh, your towel and your rubber ducky, but not so much today. So, uh, the Bohorvad trade, and listen, the the genesis the, the the genesis of this started so long ago when Vancouver prioritized other players. Rutherford said, "Listen, uh, we made a fair offer, but then he had the season, and now." We don't have any money to, to pay him what he's worth on the market as it stands. Um, before we yeah. drill down on some of the specifics from both sides, just give us your overview on what we saw when this began leading up to yesterday when the, the trade was consummated between Rutherford and Lamarillo. Uh, I think this really started over the summer, Jeff. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of debate about the fact that they signed Miller uh, uh, before Horvat. I do think initially the plan was the other way around. Um, I, I I think they did engage Horvat first. I remember I remember I, I, I actually quite the night before the draft in Montreal, I went on radio in Vancouver at our at our station there, uh, in our Sportsnet station there, six fifty, and I said I think Horvat's going to get signed. I think that's their priority, and I think they will get it done. And I believe that was always the plan. And uh, and I just think that Horvat felt he got lowballed. Um, you know, I, I've never found out what the initial offer was, uh, um, but I don't think it was close. I don't think it was ever close. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there was ever a time when uh, Horvat uh, was close to saying yes. Um, and then the Canucks got to the end of August and they pivoted. And Horvat just felt, I think I'm. I'm going to bet on myself, and they pivoted to Miller. And as everybody knows now, that deal got done pretty quick, and and everything changed. And um, and <coughs> excuse me, Jeff. I don't think that um, ever. Like I said, I don't think it ever got close again during the season. Uh, they couldn't get that train mm-hmm. back on the tracks, and and then like like everybody said, well, Kuzmenko signing was the end. I think the end was before that, and. Uh, you know, it was just a matter of time as to when it happened. And obviously it happened yesterday. I, you know, I, I, I watched like a lot of people. I watched Horvat's Zoom media conference last night and just looked kind of relieved. Like he, yeah. he looked kind of relieved it was all over. Like that's one thing one of the players said to me was that you could tell that Horvat was tired of it. And he wasn't looking forward to another month of it. And the good news for him is he doesn't have to. You know, I was making the point off the top, and I, I talked to someone in Horvat's camp yesterday after this happened, and I, I got the, the, the strong sense of relief as well. You know, not just for Bo, but everyone around him, too. We tend to forget that it's not just the player, but everybody around yeah. the player that gets dragged through all of this, that has to follow it and read about it and hear about it and get asked about it nonstop. I think there's sort of relief all around. Um, just a, a quick thought. as I was making the point off the top about what the Vancouver Canucks now have lost with Bo Horvat now that, you know, the, the captain exits. I mean, the, the one thing that I, I still find remarkable, Elliot, and this is a true testament to Horvat as well, when you look at, you know, all the fires that kept starting around this Vancouver Canucks organization and the emotional roller coaster that everybody has gone through, for him to captain through all of this, shepherd a team, um, and perform at the at a level that he's never even performed that in his NHL career, certainly in junior mm-hmm. and minor hockey, but never in the NHL. 
to me, it's one of the most remarkable achievements of any player that I've seen this season. A lot of other players would have said, this is chaos. I'm folding it up. I can't do this. Like, the Islanders are getting a really mentally like they're getting a really good player and i think they're getting a really mentally strong player as well i'm i'm blown away at what horvat was able to achieve through this season i i think it's a great point and uh you know there's a couple of things i think about with that number one this year we have seen some of the greatest contract years that we've ever witnessed in sports like the all-time contract year to me jeff is aaron judge of the yankees judge. he turned down the yankees yeah. before the season and then he went out and hit 62 homers. Like, to me, that is the all-time contract season I can ever remember. I, I don't know anyone having yeah. a, better, a, a better contract year than that. But Horvat's up there. He's on pace for 52 goals. You know, someone sent me a note yesterday, too. They said, you know, look at, like, the, like the other thing, too, and I actually I put this in my notes for, that I'm writing for today. Horvat has 11 power play goals this year. The next highest guy on the leader in the island had five, Pajot. Like, they have one of the worst power plays in the league. And, and it's not only the scoring, but someone sent me a note that said, take a look at his faceoff percentage on the power play. It's 65%. Like, you know, and, I, and I know some people fight about faceoffs. Like, you know, does it matter? Does a faceoff matter? I think on the power play, a face-off matters. Because if you lose that draw, you just lost 20 seconds off your, off your power play. So you're not only getting a guy who can score on the power play, you're getting a guy who gets you the puck uh, at the start of, of your power play, much uh, six and a half times out of ten. So I, I think that's really big. But, you know, you're right. And, and you know, I can't remember who told me this one day, but – I, I, I think it was when I was back doing in my NBA days, somebody said there was a player who was going through a really, some really tough times. I think it was Isaiah Thomas who actually said this to me. And a player was going through some really tough times, but he was playing really well. And he said, you know, he, he remembered that when he was struggling sometimes with personal things, he played great games. And, and I said, why is that? And he goes, because when you're on the court, that's like your home. That's like the one place where you're not thinking about everything that's going on in your life. You're playing basketball, which is the thing you love, and it's the one time you're not worried thinking about everything else. And it doesn't work for everyone, but it worked for him. And I thought about that with, uh, with Horvat as you, were, as you were making your spiel there. Like when Horvat's on the ice, he's thinking about scoring goals. He's not thinking about, okay, where's my next contract? Yeah. Where am I going to be? So... Uh, I, I think you make a great point, but I, I, I thought about what I think it was Isaiah Thomas who said that to me uh, years ago. You know what I love about you, Elliot? How you just casually yeah. drop Isaiah Thomas's name into a conversation. I remember once, uh, I think it was Robert De Niro who told me, Jeff, you should <laughs> never drop names. Yeah, I think it was Robert De Niro that told me that when we were having, having lunch one day, me and Bob. Um, okay, so from the Islanders' point of view, I want to get to Vancouver here in a second, but from the, uh, from the Islanders' point of view, um, you know, when this happened, I got a note from someone saying, why are, they, why are they prioritizing centers? They need wingers on this team. And I sent back, like, listen, uh, as teams have told me before, I don't think anyone has ever, ever said in the history of hockey, the reason we lost is because we had too many centers. I don't think anyone has mm-hmm. ever said that. So I, I get it. Like, you have a chance at Horvat, you take that swing. 
your thoughts mm-hmm. on what the Islanders are getting and your thoughts on what they gave up. Like you look at like the first round pick is the wild card. We can't make our minds up about this trade until we know who that player ends up being. Um, Ratu is an interesting player. Uh, once upon a time, a highly touted prospect. Like, we were talking about Ratu years ago as being someone who's going to be drafted drafted top five. Like that's the way this yeah. guy's career was trending. Now some people look at him and say, ah, maybe he's better suited for the wing. Maybe he's going to top out as a third line center, whatever that ends up being. And then Anthony Bavillier, who I I do wonder about on a different team if he's allowed to gallop. Does he turn into mm-hmm. that player that the Islanders drafted coming out of the queue where he was a high-scoring, high-flying player? Anyhow, your thoughts on what the Islanders gave up for Horvat here? Well, I, I think Bovillia, it'll be interesting to see how the Canucks view him. Um, you know, he's a guy who's got one more year under contract, and he's uh, a, a, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. So is, is this a year-and-a-half sort of uh, test drive on Bovillier to see what they've got there? Um, you know, uh, one of the things is, you know, the Canucks have a lot of wingers who get paid pretty well, you know, between, you know, him, now Kuzmenko, although that they, takes care next year, Besser, although we, uh, Garland, uh, we'll see what those players' futures are. You know, they've got a lot of highly paid wingers. So I think it's going to be interesting to see yeah. how the Canucks feel about Beauvillier as a fit and where he goes long term. I, I think there's, there's two keys to the deal here really in terms of what they get. Number one is the pick, and number two is Ratu. And, and first of all, I have to say, my head was spinning after those uh, Lamorello <laughs> and Alvin media conferences yesterday because I used to call them Ratty also, and Kevin Kurz is like, yeah. the Islanders were in town last week. He pulled me aside and says, you know, it's Ratu, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, sorry, I forgot. And then the two GMs can't get his name right. Like, that was uh, – that was pretty funny, I thought. Like, like Kathy Broderick, they were on air last night. She's like, is it Ratty or Ratu? And I'm like, I'm listening. I thought it was Ratu, and it is Ratu. But I listen to Lamorello, and he's, yeah. he's gaslighting me. He's got me all confused. Anyway, um, I, I Hang really on. think can, can, that... Can we pause? Can I... Can I can I sure. share a quick story really quickly before we get to that? When uh, when sure. this was going on, the one story that I was I was thinking about was uh, my former radio partner Bill Waters, and th- when he was the assistant GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, there was a uh, there was a reporter, Maple Leafs reporter, who when remember that year that the Maple Leafs had three rookie defensemen that made the team. There was Yannick Tremblay, Danny Markov, and Thomas Caberle, and there was yeah. one reporter who kept calling him Caberla, Tomas Caberla, Tomas Caberla. And Billy told me, he pulled the reporter aside and he said, what are you calling number 15? And he said, oh, I'm calling him Caberla. And he says, well, his name is actually Caberle. That's, 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 that's his name. And he says, no, 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 Bill. I asked him in the room how he pronounced his name. And he said, Caberla. And Billy said, oh, really? Go ask him how he pronounces cheeseburger. It's Caberle. That's what we're calling him here. And as this was going on, that's all I could think about last night. Anyhow, my little humorous aside from Bill Waters. Finish your, finish your, finish your thought there. That's a pretty good story, actually. Uh, well, so I, I, like I think that. with Ratu, the, like, like I, like I don't see these guys a lot. Like, I, like you see these guys a lot more, and Sam sees these guys a lot more, Cosentino, than I do. So I just sent a couple of notes last night. Like, what do you think? What do you think? And and most of the responses I got back were, he's not ready yet. He's not ready yet. So you know, I, I think there seems to be agreement that the Canucks are smart. Uh, to start him in Abbotsford at, at the American Hockey League. Uh, like, I, I think the most dangerous thing you can do here is you can rush this guy because you have to feel you have to prove the trade. 
like like the Canucks have yep. to have in order for this to work for them, they have to have a good development plan in place. They've got to forget the noise and say, we don't need we don't who cares if this kid scores 20 goals this year? We need him scoring 20 to 25 goals for years to come. We got to do this right. So yeah. I think initially, I think it's the smart thing to keep them down there based on what I've heard. But like I said, they, their, their biggest challenge will be you can't prove you won this deal next week. And, and that's the thing that the yeah. Canucks are going to have to remember. If they lose track of that, that will, they will regret it. So that's, that's the number one thing. You know, the pick is interesting. You know, one thing I double-checked, Jeff, is that Lamorello in his media conference last night, he used the phrase option. So I, if it goes in the top 12 this year, it doesn't automatically flip to next year's unprotected pick. It, um, mm-hmm. it goes to uh, it's a, a New York's choice. So like, right. they'll have a decision to make this year if they finish in the top 12, uh, bottom 12 uh, after the lottery. So that's number one. You know, I think if you're – this is a really interesting bet by both the Canucks and the Islanders. The Islanders, who are one of the league's older teams, are going to bet that they're not going to be in danger of, uh, of, of an unprotected pick nightmare like Florida was facing next season, um, potentially. Oh and, you know, the, a couple people point out one thing to me. They said that the, the one reason they think the Islanders might have been comfortable making this bet is that if you look at the worst teams in the league this year, probably around the bottom 10, maybe 12, there's nobody in that list who has a goalie as good as Sorokin. I think the, the first guy you'd really look at and say he's in Sorokin's class is, is, is Soros, and they're 20th. So that's one. But still, it's a gamble. And I think that's a good gamble for the Canucks to make. Either they're going to get a, a, a top – they're going to get a first-round pick this year in a good draft, or they could go have an absolute lottery – smash next year. I mean, we'll see how it all plays out. I think that's a really interesting gamble by both the Canucks and the Islanders. And, you know, also, Jeff, I should say this for the record. I think Horvat's going to get signed. I, I can't see. Like, I was going through it today. I think the Islanders have five other forwards who are represented by Newport, which is the uh, agency yeah. that represents Horvat. Like, there's a lot of familiarity there. And if you'll remember, Pajo, when they traded for him a couple of years ago, they got an extension done the same day. I think there was permission there, though, at the time. There's just a lot of familiarity between the Alders and Newport. I, I find it hard to believe that we're not going to see an extension here. You know, it's interesting, too, when you mentioned Pajo, what they gave up to get Pajo is kind of similar to what the Islanders gave up to gave uh, to, to get Bo Horvat. That is, that, that is the question, though, about Horvat with the Islanders now. Um, what is the decimal point? Like, if you, we all wondered, hey, Bo Horvat hits the market next year. Boston doesn't know about their centers. Philly and Sean Couturier, do they need to make a replacement there if Couturier is not coming back? Um, various other teams, whether it's Seattle. Um, I think we've all wondered, okay, if he hits the market, how much is he going to go for? What do you think? I mean, this is Lou Lamarillo here, and I know there's a familiarity with Newport. And listen, Lou's been around since the the, the mid '80s in the NHL. Donnie Meehan's been around, going back to when he did the Pat Lafontaine contract. These are not new people involved here, right? Newport is not five minutes old. Neither is Lou Lamarillo here in the NHL. 
What do you think this settles at? These are two, these are two veteran groups that are going at this contract. I think it's going to be around eight times eight. Like, I don't know that, um, but that's my guess. It comes in around eight times eight or so. Do you think Vancouver could have done that? Well, I think you can do anything you want. I, I think Vancouver just made it very clear they weren't going there. From the um, from the Vancouver point of view, one more question. Then I want to move on and ask you about the Los Angeles Kings here. Um, mm-hmm. is, does this begin the great sell-off? And if so, where should we direct our attention next? I think that... I, I, I wonder, Shen is the obvious one to me. Because, um, yep. you know, I, I'm not as convinced it's going to be Tampa Bay now. There was a time I thought it was going to be Tampa. I'm not anymore. Um, but, you know, the one thing about Shen I would say, too, is if anyone I wondered they might keep after Tockett got there, it was Shen. Because I could see Tockett really liking Shen's game. He brings something to talk at legs, but I still think they're getting asked about him. You know, the other one to me, and this is the total wild card, is are we going to get enough runway to see Demko before the deadline? So last Friday night, Alvin says it's tough to say for sure, but they're basically hoping three weeks. So this is week one. Next week is two more weeks. Let's just say it's three weeks. He's back the 16th, the trade deadline the third. Does that give us enough runway to see Demko? Does it matter since he's not a rental? Well, if you're, if you're, if you're like, 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 look, when I, when I, when I look at Demko, like I was sitting there last night as I was writing, I'm, I'm going down the list. Does this make sense? Does this make sense? Does this make sense? Does this make sense? Okay. There's three places to me that really make sense, okay? Uh, One's Buffalo, one's Pittsburgh, and one's Los Angeles. I would say in two of those situations, Buffalo, you know, I mean, do they, like, I think Buffalo obviously wants to get in, but they're not trying to win the Stanley Cup this year, or at least thinking they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. So that's a little different. Mm-hmm. But if you're Los Angeles and you're Pittsburgh, can you trade for a guy you're not sure is going to be able to help you this season? No, you can't. Not with what you're going to have to give up. You can't. You can't. You can't. No, 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 no chance. That's what I'm saying. You know, does it matter because he's not a rental? So I'm thinking, you know, I'll, I'll tell you who I'll, I'll tell you who I might think about with um, with Thatcher Demko is Columbus. That's the team that I would be that's a team that I that's would That's another be. one that makes a lot of sense, you know, Jeff. But and Columbus can do it cuz they don't it's not about this year for them. It's not. It's that's why that's why we yeah. talk about you even like someone like Jacob Chikrin like it's it's not just for this season. Like Columbus has eyes for next season as subsequent. That's that's really the one that I wonder about with Thatcher Dem cuz I'm like you. I've I've wondered about the same thing. And if you're Columbus, how are you not? If Vancouver's going to do this, if you're Columbus, how do you how do you not get involved in that one? Yeah, I, I think that's a very fair one too. And like the other thing too here is that 
I, I, there's another thing with, with uh, the Islanders and Horvat. I think there were some teams here, Jeff, who were going to be in on Horvat in the summer, but not now. Uh, and does, I, that, does that rhyme with Philadelphia? I actually didn't have Philadelphia in my list there, <laughs> but I had Columbus, I had Detroit, and I had, like, I had Boston too. Even if they if they didn't get him now, they could have been involved in him in the summer. And Seattle was on that list yeah. too. Like teams who would say, it yeah. doesn't make any sense for us to trade for something, to trade assets for him, but it does make sense for us to go after him in the summer. I, I just wonder about Philadelphia because of the uncertainty about Couturier. Detroit makes some sense. It seems as if Eisenman is locked in on a number, and this is Stephen Stamkos situation 2.0. This is the number. If you don't like it, that's that's fine. Good luck finding something uh, greater in the off season. But this is this is my number. If you want to play here, this is what we have for you. So Detroit does would have made uh, a lot of sense to me as well. I, I just wonder about the uncertainty um, of the Couturier situation. It makes sense. I wouldn't argue with you. Wants want, wants to remedy it. Okay, I got a couple of minutes here. I, I want to ask you about another team that I think we're all curious about. You referenced them a couple of seconds ago. What is Rob Blake up to right now? We've kind of been waiting well, for L.A. to make this. They did Kevin Fiala in the offseason, but we're waiting for the move from Rob Blake here. Well, I, I think the one thing here is I was just sitting down. I was kind of figuring it out. If you look at Rob Blake's history, he makes his moves early. Like, you know what? I'm just going over to my computer here right now while I'm writing this. If, if you look at uh, Blake's trade history, um, mm-hmm. The biggest trade he made on deadline day was Jeff Carter to Pittsburgh two years ago, but that was for picks. Fanuf Gabarik was 12 days before the deadline. Muzzin to Toronto was four weeks before the deadline. And in 2020, Jack Campbell was 19 days before the deadline. Tyler Toffoli was seven. And Alec Martinez, five. Rob Blake's way is not to wait. And, you know, right now we're five weeks coming up on a month of the deadline and the Kings are in it. They're in on left-hand D for sure. And so, you know what, Jeff, I, I looked at it and I say the Blake countdown is on. Eyes on the Los Angeles Kings. Um, real quick before we, uh, before we punt here, um, Carolina Hurricanes, Boston Bruins, you mentioned, you know, the Boston you could see being in on, on Bo Horvat. We're wondering about, okay, the pivots now that Horvat is off. I think, you know, clearly Timo Meyer, certainly for forwards, becomes the number one commodity um, in the marketplace. You and I have talked about the New Jersey Devils. We've talked about teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs, talked about the New York Rangers, etc. Um, do you have a thought on now that Horvat is off the board and eyes are on San Jose with Timo Meyer? any idea where he might end up or which teams will be aggressively pursuing now that they know they can't get Horvat? Well, you know me, I, I, I've been thinking New Jersey for Meyer. I don't necessarily mean that they're going to get him, but I, I do think they are a team that a can do it and B would like to do it. Um, so that's, that's one, um, you know, I'll tell you this. One guy I've wondered about for the Hurricanes is Pajot. 
Like if if roles kind of get moved around here in New York, or they need to clear feel they need to clear some room, I kind of wonder if he he's a guy that would be on their radar. Yeah. You know who would absolutely love Pajot and the way that he plays? Rod Brindamore. Yeah. When you look at Pajot's game, does that not scream Rod Brindamore, Elliot? Yes, it does. That makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, okay, so we'll end on the high note then. Elliot, makes sense with the Pajot speculation. So well, I'm like just that. here to make sense um, of this show, which is not easy. No, and now it's going to go off the rails because Thomas Drance is coming on and then Greg Wyshynski. So it's chaos. Time will light some fires. Uh, you be well. Happy writing day. I know it's a beast to tame. Uh, try not to stay up too late for each. We'll talk to you. Well, we'll actually, we'll no, see you I in won't. Florida tomorrow is what will happen. I'll yeah, see you in yes, Florida. You will. All right, bring your bikini. Okay. <laughs> it's already passed. Here we go. Bye. Oh, lovely. All right. Here we go. Uh, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, heavy on that segment. Going to take a break. Back with Thomas Trance um, from The Athletic and Sportsnet 650 um, commenting on the Bohorvat trade and what this means for the future of the Vancouver Canucks. How many times have we talked? I mean, this whole show, right? It feels like it's produced by the Vancouver Canucks sometimes. Uh, Thomas Trance comes up in a couple of moments here. Greg Wyshynski, top of the hour. Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on 360 and Sportsnet Now. Keep it here.